This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, as Clark Kent, he hopes to find some clue to the mysterious crescent and star in the waterfront coffee shop visited by Squealy Evers. We'll join him with his famous friends, Batman and Robin, in just a moment. But right now, here is Dan McCullough. You know, gang, even if you'd never met those characters on the comic buttons you're all collecting from packages of Kellogg's Pet, you'd still want to get all 18 of them because the colors are so bright and sharp. Why, those buttons are really on the beam when you wear them on your jacket or your dress or cap. But since you do know all the characters, you know, since you've followed their adventures in the funny papers for a long time, well, it's even more fun. And they look true to life, too. So real, they could speak to you. Take Smokey Stover, for instance, with his bright red fireman's cap and his silly grin. Or Herbie, wearing his famous striped beanie and carrying his books under his arms. Or Superman himself, complete with flying red cape and Superman insignia. Yes, sir, these shiny round comic buttons are mighty colorful, mighty smart-looking, and so easy to get. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. The only way you can get them is to ask Mom to get you a package or two of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Then, see which prize you find inside. One of these slick-looking comic buttons, or a military insignia, or a warplane button. Remember, that's P-E-P, Pep. Made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. A small silver coin engraved with a crescent moon and a star is the only clue Superman has to the two missing pieces of kryptonite, the strange deadly element which gave the late Atom Man his atomic power. Fearful that the kryptonite may be used to create another terrible atomic monster against whom he would have no defense, Superman asked Batman and Robin to help him trace the mysterious organization using the symbol of the crescent and star. Through the dimly lit streets of the Metropolis waterfront, Batman and Robin trailed a criminal informer known as Squealy Evers, who led them into an ambush from which they fortunately escaped. Reporting their experience to Clark Kent, who is Superman, the three of them returned to the scene of the ambush. As we continue now, Kent has just stopped his car in front of a shabby little coffee shop facing the dark, fog-bound harbor. Listen. Is this the place, Batman? Yes. Squealy stopped here for a cup of coffee. Yeah, and there's the waiter he must have talked to, Mr. Kent. The skinny guy wiping the counter, right, Batman? Yes, Robin. But I didn't see them talking. Looks like he's getting ready to close up. We'll have to work fast. Hey, 
What? Where are you going, Kent? I'll park a little farther along. I don't want him to see us getting out of the car. Why not? Well, I've got a little idea. I guess this'll do. Yes, I used this stunt a long time ago. It just might work again. Open the glove compartment, will you, Robin? Okay. What are you going to do? I'll show you. There ought to be a can of talcum powder in there. Well, what's the stunt, Kent? Show you in a moment. Got it, Robin? Yeah, here it is. Good. Okay, come on, Batman. Take your mask off and douse this stuff on your hands and face. I'll do the same. What's the idea? Well, we want that waiter to talk, don't we? This might be the way. Oh, oh, yes, I, I get it. I don't. Why don't we take him to headquarters and let the police loosen up his vocal cords? Huh? It take too long. Well, maybe he won't talk. This way, I think he will. How are you coming, Batman? All right, ready. Good. Frankly, I don't get it. You guys look like a couple of ghosts. <laughs> the idea exactly, right, Ken? Right. Okay, let's go. Hey, wait. I get the gag now, but it's awful corny. You don't really think you're going to make the waiter believe you're ghosts and scare him into talking, do you? Oh, it's not quite that simple, but we haven't time to explain. Now, look. You stay here. Oh, nothing uh, doing this. i got to see. Sorry, Robin, but you'll have to stay in the car to, uh, to warn us if anyone comes along. Toot the horn if you want us back. Uh, Kent's right, Robin. Okay. I'd probably bust out laughing at the ghost act anyway. <laughs> Poor Robin. If he knew you were Superman, we couldn't get rid of him so easily. I know. Uh-oh, wait a minute. Forget something? Yes, your costume might tip him off. And also, hmm? we don't want him to be able to describe us later. Here, put my overcoat on and turn the collar up. <clears throat> you watch the little details, don't you? Yeah, I try to. That's better. You all set? Mm-hmm. All right, let's go. Okay. Oh, good. Nobody in there but the waiter. Oh, I hope this works, Jim. <laughs> so do I. Here we are. I'm just closing up. All the food's put away. I said I'm closing up. Who are you guys? Hey, what's the matter with your faces? <laughs> he wants to know what's the matter with our faces. <laughs> <laughs> if he only knew. Listen, what's the joke? He thinks it's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> He'll know better pretty soon. Now, listen. He keeps telling us to listen. And he doesn't say anything. Let's ask him to listen. All right. Listen, friend, you saw Squealy Evers tonight, didn't you? Squealy, yeah. He... Who? Who'd you say? You heard us. Squealy Evers. Never heard of him. Now listen. I know why he always says listen. Why? It means he's going to tell a lie. Right. Who's lying? Who are you guys? What's the big idea coming to my place with your face and hands fixed up funny and asking questions? Do you object to answering simple questions? I ain't answering no questions, see? Now, scram out of here. Right? I wouldn't go for the gun in that drawer if I were you. You'll regret it. How did you know? My friend has strange powers. Show him, Ebenezer. All right, Silas. Shall I go up and catch that fly on the ceiling? Why don't you? Say, you guys are nuts. <laughs> hey, look. Look, he... He did go up to the ceiling. Why, of course he did. Did you catch the fly, Ebenezer? No, Silas. He flew away. Shall I chase him? Yes. All right. He... He, he's flying. Of course he is. It can't be. I, I'm going out of my mind. Hey, please, buddy, tell him to come down. How am I doing, Silas? Wonderful, Ebenezer. But our friend seems to be turning green. Oh? You had better come down. Down? Why, how strange he looks. Maybe he'd feel better if he flew around the ceiling with me. No, stay away from me. Stay away. I, I know what you guys are now. You, you're ghosts. We are? Yeah. Go away, please. Go back where you came from. Oh, but we can't go back until you tell us what we want to know. You... you can't? No, we have to know about Squealy Evers. Squealy? Yes, 
Whom did you call up earlier this evening when he told you a man and boy were following him? Uh, nobody. I didn't see Squealy tonight. You'd better fly him up to the moon, Ebenezer. Yes, I guess I'd better. Come no, here. No, don't. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you anything. Only don't touch me. Whom did you call up? Oh, Patsy. Who's Patsy? He's the guy I phone when I get any information from Squealy or anybody else. I only seen him once or twice. He's a little dark guy. Where is he? At the, the Golden Lily. The Golden Lily? I know the joint. It's a night spot down at the end of the waterfront. Big shot crooks go there. And society people out slumming. Yeah, yeah, that's right. What's your name? Me? Uh, Tommy Niles. Listen, when do you go away? I told you... Tell us some more, Tommy. Tell us what you know about the gang who used the Crescent and Star for a symbol. I don't know nothing about them. Nothing. Don't lie, or... I don't know nothing. Honest, all I know, a couple of times before, Squealy told me to tip off Patsy about some guy asking about this Crescent Star, see? All right. But get this, Tommy. If you tell Patsy or anyone else about our being here tonight, we'll come back oh, and... No, no, I won't. Patsy had sent his goons over to see me. Please, fellas, go away now. Go on back to, to wherever you came from. Come on, Silas. Good night, Tommy. Pleasant dreams, Tommy. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. Too bad we had to scare him out of a year's growth. That cheap crook. Well, we let him off easy. But we got our lead, Kent. Now let's visit Patsy. You bet. The trail's getting warm. Eagerly, Clark, Kent, and Batman hurry to the car where Robin awaits them. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Following what looks like a definite lead, Clark, Kent, with Batman and Robin drove to the end of the foggy waterfront where in a section of rickety cottages and a few dark, cluttered stores, a glittering nightclub stands, complete with handsome canopy and uniformed doorman, and a huge, winking neon sign in the shape of a golden lily. Parking their car nearby, Kent and Batman removed the ghostly white powder from their hands and faces. Now, with Batman and Robin in the well-tailored clothes of Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, they are approaching the nightclub entrance. Yes, this is quite a place, Kent. The big-shot racketeers come here to spend their money and... Oh, Robin, look. What, Batman? Just getting into that car, see? It's Squealy Evers. That's right, it is. We want to see him. Come on. No, oh, he got away. No, he didn't. Hold it. What do you mean he didn't? There goes his car. I'll take care of that. Now, you two go We'll in... take care of it. Yes, you two go into the Golden Lily and get a table. I'll join you later. Okay, Kent. Come on, Robin. Hey, he's going the wrong way. We left the car back there. Don't worry about Kent. He knows what he's doing. Oh, oh quiet. Here's the doorman. Good evening. Good evening, gentlemen. Step right inside for a big evening. Yes, sir, a big evening. We've already had one, thanks. The evening's still young. Come on. I wonder what Squealy was doing here. Mm, probably powwowing with friend Patsy. Oh, I'm sorry, we left our hat in our car. <laughs> the hat shake girl loves us for that. Uh, she doesn't get the tips. The house does. It's a racket. Come on. My, my, my. Look at all the white ties and evening gowns in that crowd. You'd think this was a rich instead of the waterfront, wouldn't you? Yes, uh, Crook likes to put on a dog, too, Robin. Well, let's find the head waiter and get a table. What gives now? You search me. Oh, the orchestra leader's going to make an announcement. <laughs> He's probably going to announce that Muscle Molly has just lost her gat in a string of pearls. Quiet. Ladies and gentlemen, we are going to ask you the You're pretty cynical, Robin. Look. Look where? What? Look at her hair. Whose hair? Gloria Garrett's. Look at the ornament in it. The comb or a pin or whatever it is. Can't you see? Christopher Columbus. 
she's wearing the symbol of the crescent moon and star. Their jaws sagging, Batman and Robin stare at the tall young woman, acknowledging the applause, in whose raven black hair gleams a jeweled crescent moon and star. What does this mean? Yes, gang, the trail of the two pieces of deadly kryptonite is growing plenty warm. So don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode when thrilling and surprising things occur. Tune in, same time, same station, for Batman, Robin, and the Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. The Loot Crate subscription box, yeah! Full of exclusive loot, fun surprises, and delivered to your door every month! Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy! <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude! Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box! Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today at the Golden Lily Cafe, Batman and Robin have made a startling discovery. We'll join them in a moment. But right now, here's Dan McCullough and his young pal, Eddie, who is getting some help on a little project. Well, you see, Dan, our club meets tonight, and I'm chairman for this week, so well, I figured it'd be fun to have an election. Well, uh, who you got to elect? Well, the most popular comic button. You know, those swell buttons we're all collecting from packages of Kellogg's Pep? Hey, that sounds like a heap of fun. Well, yeah, it is, but, well, I'm not sure I know how to run an election. Will you tell me? Well, I'll try. Uh, now, pretend this is the club meeting. You're the chairman, uh-huh. and uh, the first thing you do is to ask for nominations. Oh, uh, like, um, do I hear a nomination for the most popular co- pep comic button? Yeah, then uh, one of the kids says, uh, <clears throat> uh, Mr. Chairman? Dan McCullough has the floor. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I want to nominate a character we've all known for years. That fellow who's proved himself on the side of good against evil. 
an exceptional person we know of the funny papers and on the radio. Uh, I wish to nominate Superman. Do I hear a second? I second the nomination. Oh, boy. What voices? Well, that's the best I can do, Eddie. But say, let me know how the election comes out, will you? Because I like to keep tabs on all the different kinds of fun that you fellows and girls are having with these slick-looking comic buttons. There are 18 different buttons in all, you know. Each one with a true-to-life picture of a favorite comic strip character. And each one is a real humdinger. What's more, it's just as easy as one, two, three to get them. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. You just ask Mom to get you a good supply of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Then, see which prize you find inside. One of these slick new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. It's an exclusive prize for you from P-E-P. Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Fearful, but two stolen pieces of kryptonite, the deadly element which gave the late Atom Man his terrible atomic power, may be used to create another human monster. Superman, Batman, and Robin are trying to trace a secret criminal organization which uses the symbol of a crescent moon and star. Trailing an informer named Squealy Evers, they came to a shabby coffee shop where a frightened waiter directed them to the Golden Lily, a nightclub on the waterfront frequented by underworld characters. Seeing Squealy leave the club, Superman followed him, while Batman and Robin, wearing street clothes over their costumes, entered the crowded, noisy cabaret. A young woman singer named Gloria Garrett has just been introduced as a celebrity, and as she rises from her place at one of the tables to acknowledge the applause, a spotlight is focused on her, and Batman stares incredulously at the jeweled ornament in her dark hair. Listen. Robin, look. Look at her hair. Whose hair? Gloria Garrett's. Look at the jeweled ornament. Christopher Columbus. It's a crescent moon and star. so loud. But quiet, quiet, I said. There's an empty table. Come on. Thank you, Miss Garrett. Now, folks, dance and make merry. Here, here we are. Sit down. How do you add this up, Batman? Mm, Gloria Garrett must be a member of the gang we're looking for, whose symbol is the crescent moon and star. Go on. If she is, why would she stand up in public and take a bow with a spotlight on her while she was wearing the gimmick? To make sure she's seen, of course. But none of that. Marv wants to be seen. Oh, you're a little slow on the upbeat tonight, son. Didn't the waiter at the coffee shop say he phoned this joint when Squealy told him you and I were asking questions about the, cre- the crescent and the stars? He said he phoned a character named Patsy. Patsy runs this nightclub. How do you know? Well, look at the menu. Brighter, Charles Patsima. That's Patsy. Yeah, this joint must be a contact point for the members of the mob. And it's evidently a bigger mob than even Kent believes. And an international mob. So what? Gloria Garrett comes from London. She's new here. And she must have been told to come to the Golden Lily, wear the crescent and star symbol, and make sure she was seen. Yeah, but why all the rigmarole? Why couldn't she just go to Patsy? Plenty of people seem to know him. Squilly Evers, the waiter at the coffee shop. And it's my hunch that Patsy is only a go-between. The leaders of the gang are too careful to let their identities be known to small fry like Squealy and the waiter. Well, if you're right, then, some big shot from the Crescent and Star Gang is in this crowd this very minute, and nobody knows him. That's what I'm hoping. But if he contacts Gloria, we'll know him. Check. Well, where is he? Why doesn't he join her or call her over to his table or something? Give him time, Robin. Just keep your eyes on Gloria. I am, but nothing's happening. Oh, oh, take it easy. Here comes the waiter. Uh, may I have your orders, please? I'd better order something. Uh, let's see. Uh, make it a turkey sandwich and a glass of milk. Uh, I'll have the same. Oui, monsieur. Uh, thank you. Look, little Gloria's all stole by a lotion. Relax, relax, will you? There's plenty of time. Maybe not. Oh, sure there is. 
It's not midnight yet. I don't mean that. I'm thinking about those two pieces of kryptonite. Superman said unless we get hold of them in a hurry, we might have another Atom Man on our hands. Or something even worse. Look, Batman, what could be worse than another Atom Man? Two Atom Men. Two? Christopher Columbus, you don't think At that... the moment, I'm only thinking about tracking down this Crescent and Star Gang. They know where their scholar widow is. And she knows where the two pieces of kryptonite are. Now, just concentrate on that. And keep your eyes on Miss Gloria Garrett. I am, but nothing gives. Could be that whoever she wants to contact isn't here tonight. If he isn't, I think he will be. Or at least get a message to her. Nothing happens soon. How about us tackling Patsy? Can't take a chance on the girl getting away? Nothing doing. I'm counting on her to lead us to the head man. We're not going to let her out of our sight. Oh, but I wonder what's keeping Kent so long. Well, he went after Squealy. Well, it shouldn't take him this long to catch him. What do you mean? Squealy was in a car and he had a start. Mr. Kent had to go back up the street for his car. No, no, he didn't. Well, of course he did. How else was he going to chase Squealy? Oh, Robin. Robin, you'd be surprised. Well, go ahead and surprise me. I don't get it. Oh, look. What now? There's a waiter at Miss Garrett's table. So what? Maybe she got hungry waiting for Mr. Hoosick. Wake up. Wake up, Robin. Don't you see the envelope in his hand? Oh, yeah. And he's giving it to her. Golly, I'd like to know what's in that note. So would I. She's getting up. Come on. Sit down. She's taking her coat. She might get away. She won't get away. Sit down, I said. Okay, but why? I want to see if she goes to another table. She's not. She's heading for the door. Now, wait, wait. Mitchell, Mitchell, you'll send me. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, here, here you are. Keep the chains. Uh, we just remembered another appointment. But, uh, oui, monsieur. Thank you. I could have used that sandwich. Sorry, Robin. But we'll have to wait. Huh? Miss Garrett's leaving all right. You suppose Patsy sent her that note? Well, maybe. Or somebody in the crowd might have. And is waiting outside. And there she goes out. I don't see anybody there except the doorman. No. All right, move fast now. Hold it, Robin. Uh oh. She's got a car and we have it. I see a taxi. What do we do now, Batman? Follow me. Wait, where are The driveway curves around here. Behind these bushes. Hurry. And strip down to your costume. Oh, I get it. When the car comes around the driveway, we latch onto it, huh? That's the idea. Here it comes. What's holding you up? My socks didn't match my tie. Keep low. Hold it. Keep low now. Do it fast. Okay, come on. Rear bumper looks nice. Right, jump on it. Don't miss. Here we go, Patty. All set. You know, for an old codger, you do pretty well, Batman. Oh, thanks. Show for driving the car. The man in the back seat with Gloria. Did you get a good look at him? No. Got the collar of his overcoat up around his face. Never mind trying to look now. Keep low. And try to keep your lip buttoned just this once. Anything else? Yes. Don't fall off. Something tells me this is the payoff ride, Robin. If it pays off in kryptonite, I'll be satisfied. Keep your fingers crossed. Clinging to the rear bumper of the big sedan in which Gloria Garrett rides with an unknown man, Batman and Robin are carried swiftly along the fog-swept waterfront. Where is the car going? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. For three quarters of an hour, Batman and Robin have been crouched on the rear bumper of a speeding sedan in which Gloria Garrett, who wears the symbol of the crescent moon and star in her hair, rides with an unknown man. 
Reaching the end of the waterfront road, the car swings into an old, little-used highway and speeds into the country. Turning into a narrow road, it is now rolling down a steep hill, its headlights cutting a path through the darkness. No more comfortable chairs in this bumper. How long does this go on, Batman? You've got me. I don't even know where we are. Fresh air works up an appetite. I could use that turkey sandwich we almost had in the Golden Lily. Maybe we'll get something better than turkey where we're going. You mean the kryptonite? Uh, maybe. With mustard. Look, hang on. We're swinging around another curve. Another one? Oh, I feel like I've been in a merry-go-round. What a night. First squealy evers and his roughnecks on the dot. Oh, hold then... it, hold it. We're slowing down. Uh-huh. He turned into a one-way lane. Look, there's a big old house ahead up to the right. Yes. Mm. No lights in it, though. There are trees on both sides of the drive. Get ready to hop off, Robin. Anytime you say. Now, wait till I give you the word. They may not stop. Yeah, the drive goes right past the house. I was wrong to stop him. Jump, Robin, and duck into those trees. Hey. hey, there are lights in the trees. Somebody turned them on. Good evening, Batman and Robin. Look out, Robin. There's a man with a gun behind you. And there's one behind you, Batman. And ten others surrounding you. What? He's right. Or excellent shots, by the way. It looks like we stepped into something, Robin. Yes. You stepped into a little trap, my friends. A trap from which I regret to tell you there will be no escape. (laughs) Startled, Batman and Robin stand in a blaze of light from the trees, facing a heavy-set middle-aged man who levels an automatic at them. While in a ring around them, ten other men clad in evening clothes also point guns at our two friends. Meanwhile, almost a hundred miles away, Superman streaks through the night above another country road on which the car carrying Squealy Evers, the informer, travels swiftly. Where's Squealy going? He led Batman and Robin into an ambush before, after contacting the Crescent and Star Gang, and then went to the Golden Lily. And he may be on another mission for the gang now. I've got to follow him. Unaware of his friend's peril, Superman rockets farther and farther away from them. What will happen to Batman and Robin? And who are the mysterious people who trapped them? Tomorrow's episode is tense and exciting, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. By the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publication. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman. 
And today, with the Man of Steel miles away, Batman and Robin are again ambushed. This time with all odds against them. We'll take you to the scene in a moment. But right now, let's join our good friend, Dan McCullough. Say, I know there are some times when you fellas in the gang have a different idea of what's fun than the girls do. But I know, too, that both fellas and girls like to get prizes. And that both fellas and girls are mighty excited about those smart-looking comic buttons that come now as prizes in packages of Kellogg's Pep. And no wonder why there's a bright-colored and so doggone slick-looking that, well, you get a real bang out of wearing them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. You see, they're pictures of your favorite comic strip friends. Characters that you've been following for a long time in the funny papers, like uh, Smiling Jack and, and Orphan Annie and Superman, of course. So, opening a new package of Pep is a double feature treat because you have lots of good eating in this super delicious whole wheat flake cereal and you get a brand new button every time. Maybe a comic button that you don't have yet or maybe a duplicate that you can trade with your pals. But remember, these comic buttons are exclusive prizes in packages of Kellogg's Pep. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But inside every package of Pep, there's an exciting prize. One of these swell comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. That's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. A mysterious criminal organization using the symbol of a crescent moon and star is believed by Superman to have knowledge of two missing pieces of kryptonite, the strange deadly element which gave the late Atom Man his terrible atomic power and which robs the Man of Steel of his great strength. With the aid of Batman and Robin, Superman followed the clue of Squealy Evers, a stool pigeon, to the Golden Lily, a nightclub frequented by underworld characters. As Superman remained on the stool pigeon's trail, Batman and Robin entered the nightclub, where they saw a girl singer introduced as Gloria Garrett wearing a jeweled crescent and star in her hair. When the girl left, Batman and Robin leaped through the rear bumper of her car and were carried into the country. Suddenly, the car swung into a tree-bordered lane and stopped. And as our friends dropped to the ground, hidden lamps in the trees blazed into light, and a circle of ten men in evening clothes, all armed with blue steel automatics, were revealed. Dismayed, Robin gasped, like we stepped into something, Batman. You're not kidding. And it doesn't look healthy. You have indeed stepped into something, Batman and Robin. Who's the party behind the handlebar and mustache? Your guess is as good as mine. Permit me to introduce myself. My name is Mr. Smith. My, what a nod name. Of the Sing Sing Smiths, I presume. <laughs> How clever. Strange that such clever fellows should let themselves be trapped. Isn't it? Uh, just for the record, uh, how did you do it? I can't you figure it out. I suppose the girl, uh, Gloria Garrett, was a plant, is that it? Excellent, Batman. Worthy of Sherlock Holmes himself. When we heard you and Robin managed to escape our little ambush on the dock and return to the coffee shop... How'd you know we went back here? Easy. Squealy figure we would. So we hung around and spotted us. Then hustled to the Golden Lily to report. That's why we saw him coming out of there. Right? Right again. We were quite certain you would turn up at the Golden Lily eventually, so we arranged our little trap for you. <laughs> Gloria Garrett wearing the crescent and star ornament was the bait. And we fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. Okay, Mr. Smith, you've got us. Now, uh, what do you intend to do with this? Mr. Jones will tell you that. Oh, another fancy moniker. Now, who's uh, Mr. Jones? You're about to find out. Felix Herbert, tie them up. Helpless in a circle of menacing automatics, Batman and Robin submit to having their hands tied firmly behind their backs. Then, shepherded by their captors, they are taken to a huge old house at the end of the tree-bordered lane. 
A brass plate beside the door gleams dully in the moonlight and reads, Dr. Joseph Winters, Sanitarium. In a large oak-paneled room, almost stiflingly hot, a great fire burns in a wide fireplace, beside which, at a flat-topped desk, a slender, scholarly-looking man with a shawl over his shoulders and wearing fascinated glasses sits writing. As Batman and Robin are ushered into the room, he lays aside his pen and picks up a glass atomizer, heavily encrusted with silver, which stands at his elbow. Opening his mouth, he sprays his throat, then calls irritably. Uh, close the door, please, Mr. Smith. There's a draft. A little fresh air won't hurt you, Mr. Jones. It's like an oven in here. Nonsense. Fresh air is full of germs. Germs and disease. Uh, I'd better spray my throat again. What do you make of this wacky setup, Batman? I think we're in the inner sanctum of the Crescent and Star Gang. Wow. There. <clears throat> That's better. Now we can get down to business. I presume these young men in the masquerade costumes are Batman and Robin. That is correct, Mr. Jones. I suppose I should be flattered that such famous personalities are interested in us. But I'm not. Tell me, gentlemen, how did you find out about us? I uh, don't remember at the moment. Uh, do you, Robin? I'm afraid it slipped my mind. Here. Let me show you this silver coin. It is engraved with a crescent moon and a star. And was in your possession, Batman. Where did you get it? Uh, where? Oh, um, uh, I, I found it. Where did you find it? In, um, why, in the street. Sure, we tripped over it. Understand me, gentlemen. I intend to get it the truth. By, uh, one means or another. Now, about this coin. There are only a certain number of them in existence. In the possession of specific persons. If one of them has seen fit to entrust you with this symbol without our knowledge, we should like to know about it. We didn't get it from any of your people. From whom did you get it? I told you, we found it. I don't believe you. If you let me take them below for an hour or so, Mr. Jones... The last I'll be... person you took below died, Mr. Smith, and his information died with him. I should like to prevent that in this case... If possible. Uh, say, uh, thank you, Robin. Should I make a curtsy, too? Apparently neither of you think I'm serious. Believe me, gentlemen, I am. I want to know where you got this coin and any other information you have about us. Suppose we tell you, then what? Then you will save your lives. What assurance do we have of that? My word. Take the word of a murderer and crook? Are you kidding? Easy, easy, Robin. I will give you one more chance. Will you tell me what I want to know? Sure. We found the coin in a, um, in a grab bag. You'll find the most interesting things in grab bags. Very well. We'll see how long your sense of humor and your stubbornness last in uh, room zero. Where? Room zero. Once you're there, you'll understand the meaning of the name. Now take them away, Mr. Smith. With pleasure. Come, my friends. I'm very proud of room zero. It is my own invention. I assure you there's nothing like it in the entire world. Nothing. As Batman and Robin are led to the mysterious Room Zero, Superman is streaking away from a small town 75 miles south of Metropolis, to which he trailed Squealy Evers, the underworld stool pigeon. Having seen Squealy retire for the night in a tourist cottage, and having enlisted the local police to watch him, the Man of Steel returns to the Golden Lily nightclub where he left Batman and Robin. Although it is four o'clock in the morning, the Golden Lily is still crowded and merry. Unable to find his friends, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent finally locates the waiter who served them. 
Now think. You recall the people I described to you? Sure, I remember the man and boy. They ordered turkey sandwiches and milk. But when I bought them, they gave me five dollars and left without eating. They did? Yes. The man said he remembered they had another appointment. When was this? Oh, a few hours ago, around midnight, I guess. Mm-hmm. Were they alone? Yes, just the two of them. Tell me, did you notice them talking to anybody? No, they were here only 10 or 15 minutes. Did they leave a message for me? My name is Kent, by the way. No, they did not, Mr. Kent. That is all the men said about another appointment. Huh. Didn't leave a message with a cashier or doorman either. Well, I'll probably find one at home or at the office. Well, thanks, waiter. Here's something for your trouble. Thank you very much, sir. Good night. You're welcome. Good night. Well, another appointment, eh? Where, I wonder? And with whom? Only slightly uneasy, Clark Kent leaves the Golden Lily, unaware that Batman and Robin are in deadly peril. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. As Clark Kent, not yet fully alarmed, left the Golden Lily nightclub, Batman and Robin, their arms still tied behind them, were pushed into the mysterious Room Zero in the house of the Crescent and Star, and a heavy oaken door was locked and bolted behind them. The room in the basement of the house is small and windowless. The walls are of smooth concrete, and the only illumination is from a tiny electric bulb set in a recess in the ceiling. It is that ceiling which now engages Batman and Robin's alarmed attention. For every few moments, there is a sound as of heavy bolts slipping in a cogwheel, and the ceiling lowers slightly. Here it goes again, Batman. Look, the ceiling lowered some more. Only about an inch that time, Robin. And an inch before that, and another inch before that. It must have dropped six inches since we got in here. Just about. We've been here half an hour. Let's see. That's at the rate of a foot an hour. The ceiling's about eight foot high. So the rate is dropping, it'll take eight hours. Never mind the mathematics. I can add. I can figure out why they call this room zero, too. It means ceiling zero. I guess so. Nice sense of humor our newfound friends have. You're not kidding. Look, I don't relish the idea of being flattened out like a pancake. What are we going to do? I'm open to suggestions. Suppose we tell the head man with the atomizer that the coin we had belonged to his pal, Sidney. No soap. We can't let them trace things back. Too many people are involved. Yes. There are no buts, Robin. Kent and Inspector Henderson know about this game. We've got to keep our mouths shut and hope that they get to them in time. Besides... Besides what? Even if we did tell them, you don't suppose knowing what we know about them, they'd turn us loose, do you? Oh, I never thought of that. Of course they wouldn't. What I should have done was left a message for Kent at the Golden Lily. Mark me down for a big goon. What good would it have done? We didn't know where we were going, and besides... The ceiling's dropping again. What'll we do, Batman? I don't know yet. Better dream up something soon, or we'll be a couple of pressed ducks. Attempting to hide their deep concern behind a mask of gaiety, Batman and Robin watch the ceiling descend toward them slowly. A fraction of an inch at a time, but steadily it drops lower and lower, with seemingly no chance of escape. And meanwhile, Clark Kent, who is Superman, has no clue to their whereabouts. Will they find a way out, or are Batman and Robin doomed? Fellows and girls, don't miss Monday's exciting episode as Batman and Robin sweat it out in Room Zero. Tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. 
And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman. And today, his friends, Batman and Robin, find themselves prisoners of the secret society they have been trying to find. We'll join them in a moment. But right now, here's a word from Dan McCullough. Say, you know what I heard the other day? Well, I heard that one of the kids in our block always makes it a point to hang around when his mother is making out her grocery list to remind her to get some Kellogg's Pep. Yes, sir, that young fellow likes to eat lots of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal. And he's mighty eager to collect more of those nifty comic buttons Pep is putting out. Aren't they, honeys? The colors are so bright, and the pictures of your favorite funny sheet characters stand out like anything against that clear white background. And how those buttons do show off when you wear them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. Why, they make you feel like strutting around. And for doggone good fun, you can't beat the excitement of trading duplicates with your pals and getting another comic button to add to your collection. Maybe it'll be Skeezix or Herbie or even Superman himself. And don't forget how easy it is to collect all 18 different buttons in the series. Now, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But every time Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pet, there's a swell prize inside for you. One of those humdinger comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Ask Mom to get you some P-E-P Pet, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. While aiding Superman in his search for two stolen pieces of kryptonite, the strange deadly element which gave the late Atom Man his terrible atomic power, Batman and Robin were captured by a mysterious criminal organization using the symbol of a crescent moon and star, believed by our friends to have knowledge of the kryptonite. In the gang headquarters, a bogus sanitarium near Metropolis, Batman and Robin were placed in a basement dungeon known as Room Zero, where, to their dismay, they watched the ceiling, the steel ceiling, slowly move down on them, a fraction of an inch at a time. It is now 8.30 in the morning, and we find them both seated on the cold concrete floor, the lowered ceiling now only inches above Batman's head. Although they have succeeded in loosening the ropes which bound their hands and arms, the situation still seems hopeless. Listen. Ceiling dropped again. What do we do, Batman? Oh, I hate to say it, Robin. I'm afraid this time we're in a spot we can't get out of. Oh, don't talk like that. If only someone knew we were here. Inspector Henderson or... Oh, while you're dreaming, Sonny Boy, make it good. Why not Superman? Sure, why not? What's that? The slot in the bottom of the door. Our friend Mr. Smith probably wants to tell us another bedtime story. I could only get my hands on him. I'd tell him one that I'd put him to sleep for a long time. Are you gentlemen enjoying the view in there? Sure. Gets better every minute. Why don't you come in and enjoy it with us, bud? We're sociable guys. <laughs> Thank you. But I prefer to watch from out here. Let me see. It is just 8.33. The ceiling lowers at a rate of one foot per hour. At 9.33, you will have to crouch on your hands and knees. At 10.33, you will be lying flat. 
at approximately 11 o'clock. All aboard! Train leaving for Buffalo on track six. I wonder if you'll find things so amusing at 11 o'clock when the ceiling finally reaches the floor. <laughs> Dropped another quarter of an inch. <laughs> well, my friend. We're very well, thank you. How are you, Mr. Rat? Now, don't be nasty to the gentleman, Robin. Ah, you are stupid fools. By now it should be clear to you that we of the Cretan and Star mean business. In a matter of hours, you will both die horrible deaths unless you tell us what we want to know. You mean where we got the silver coin with the crescent and star on it? Yes. And how much do you know about us? Tell me and I will release you. I give you my word. I wouldn't take your word if you swore on a stack of Bibles. Release us first. And then maybe we'll tell you. Maybe. <laughs> do you hear that? The ceiling dropped again. This is your last chance to save your lives. I will not give you another. Well, what do you say? Go paddle your papers on some other corner, bud. All right, then. Die. Die like the stupid idiot you are. Wait, Mr. Smith. Come back. What the... So you tense your mind, huh? Well, go ahead. Talk. No, 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 Robin. Yes, I'll talk. I'll talk. What do you want to know? Robin. Where did you find that silver coin? In your father's mustache. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's that. Yeah, you had me worried for a minute. Yeah, I've been worried for the last five hours. Maybe he's right, Batman. Maybe we are making jokes to cover up. Are you frightened? Well, I'm not too happy. Let's take another look around the walls. Oh, what's the use? We've been over them a hundred times. They're concrete, and there isn't a crack in them big enough for an ant to crawl through. I know, but... Oh, there goes the ceiling again. It'll be ceiling zero soon. Too soon. Lower and lower, inch by inch, the heavy steel ceiling descends to the floor, and Batman and Robin give up all hope. Meanwhile, alarmed because he has been unable to find any trace of his friends, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, is in the office of Police Inspector Henderson, who is just completing a telephone conversation. You sure he's not holding out on you, Healy? Okay, then. Bring him back to Metropolis. Right. So long. That stool pigeon you trailed last night, Kent, Squealy Evers? Yeah. I sent Healy up to Rockville. Uh-huh. He and the local police put Squealy on the pan. They did, eh? All stoolies are yellow, and Squealy's no exception. He talked. Yes? It won't help us much. He doesn't know where Batman and Robin are. And he doesn't know anything about the mob who use the crescent moon and star for their symbols. Uh-oh. All he knows is that there is such a mob. And if he hears anybody asking about them, he's supposed to tip off Patsy at the Golden Lily nightclub. Well, what was he doing at the Golden Lily last night? And why did he skip town? He says when Batman and Robin fought their way out of the dark ambush he walked them into, he figured they'd add up the right numbers and know he'd put in the tip for the ambush at the coffee shop. Uh-huh. So he hustled back there and hid across the street in the doorway. And sure enough, about an hour later, that man and Robin showed up with you. So he rushed over to the Golden Lily and told Patsy the coffee shop waiter might leak and to expect company. Then? Then Patsy gave Squealy the keys to his car and told him to beat it out of town and lay low for a while. And then I trailed Squealy half the night for nothing. Maybe not. What do you mean, Inspector? Squealy's information gives me a little more in ammunition to use on Patsimo. On whom? Charlie Patsimo is Patsy, the owner of the Golden Lily. Oh. And I'll bet my shield he's mixed up in the disappearance of Batman and Robin. We know he's somehow tied up with the Crescent and Star Mob. And Batman and Robin were last seen at his place. Oh, yes, but that's... Now, my hunch is they followed the girl, and she steered them into a trap. And Patsy... Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What girl? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'll get right over here. There you are. 
Take a look at this photograph, Kent. Uh-huh. You see, we do a little detective work, too. You're not the only Sherlock. Wait, Scott, look, Inspector. This girl's wearing an ornament in her hair, and it's a crescent moon and star. Well, why do you think I showed you the picture? Well, but who is she? She was introduced as Gloria Garrett, star of the London Music Halls. I called Scotland Yard about an hour ago. And? They never heard of Gloria Garrett in London. Uh-oh. And so far, nobody's heard of her here either. Well, now, wait a minute. We can trace her through Patsy, can't we? He and the Crescent and Star Mob must have planted her at the Golden Lily and arranged for her to be introduced, knowing that if Batman and Robin were there, they'd follow her. That's what I figure. And as soon as we get Patsy down here, I'm going to put the screws on him. Good. I've always been sure he's a crook, but he's a smart potato. And we've never been able to pin anything on him. Well, do you think you can now? At least enough to make him talk? I hope so. I've got an alarm out for him, and we should pick him up soon. Then we're going to crack this case while... Excuse me. Sure. Hello? Oh, yes, Donovan. Did you get him? What? No. I see. Okay. Yeah, that's right. See you later. What's the matter, Inspector? They just picked up Patsy. Oh, good. Not so good. They found him floating in the harbor with a knife in his back. Stunned, Clark Kent's jaw drops. The old owner of the Golden Lily was their only link in the chain of circumstances revolving about Batman and Robin's sudden disappearance. But that link is broken forever. Now what? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Shocked when they learned that Patsy, owner of the Golden Lily nightclub, had been found murdered, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson hurried to the club on the waterfront, which in the bright light of day is deserted except for a porter who listlessly sweeps the floor between the empty tables. Searching the place thoroughly, Kent and Henderson finally ended up in Patsy's small private office on the little balcony above the dance floor, where the inspector has gone through the dead man's desk. Uh, not a thing here to show that Patsy even knew about the Crescent and Star Mob, Kent. Not a note, not an unexplained phone number, nothing. The boys couldn't find anything in his hotel either. How did he contact them? I don't know, but I'm worried, Inspector. It's a quarter past ten. Batman and Robin have been missing since midnight. Well, I'll admit I'm worried myself. But what can we do? Patsy is dead. We can't find Gloria Garrett, and nobody else can tell us anything about the Crescent and Star. I can't understand how the... Wait a minute. What's that? What's what? In here. Well, that's the storeroom. We went through it. Yes, but I think we missed something. Come here a minute. Well, what is it? Look, a phonograph. Well, what about it? Listen to this. Oh, we haven't time to play records, Kent. Listen, listen. Yeah. You hear that? So what? You remember the song? Of course, all alone. Irving Berlin wrote it, but what's this that This phonograph got... record is the answer to our prayers. What? Are you nuts? No, I'm not. In a minute or two, the telephone on that desk is going to ring. And you are going to answer it. Yeah? And who will it be? A member of the Crescent and Star Mob. Now, listen... For a long moment, Inspector Henderson stares at Kent as though he were certain the Daily Planet reporter is out of his mind. In the background, the phonograph needle scratches on the recording of the once popular song, All Alone. How does Kent know the phone will ring? And why is he so certain it will be a member of the Crescent and Star mob calling? In the meantime, Batman and Robin, with only a scant 45 minutes to go before the ceiling of their incredible torture chamber drops to the floor, are in mortal danger. From now on, the action is tense, exciting, and mysterious. So don't miss a single word of it. Tune in tomorrow, same time, same station, 
as the famous Batman and Robin join in The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow The Adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, as Clark Kent, he hopes to find some trace of Batman and Robin through a strange device he has just found at the Golden Lily. We'll join him in a moment. But right now, here is our good friend, Dan McCullough. You know, uh, one of the girls in the gang told me the other day that she can't decide which is the most fun. Adding a different comic button to her collection when Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pep or getting a duplicate so that she can trade with her friends for a different button. Well, either way, of course, you're getting a new button for your collection, and you're another step on the way toward having all 18 buttons in the series. And what beauties they are. The pictures of your favorite funny paper characters are done up in full comic strip colors on a white enameled metal button just about as big around as a nickel. There's a handy pin on the back, too, so that you can wear them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap, and everybody can see how many you've collected. What's more, you don't have to let your pals get ahead of you. No, sir, because you can get these comic buttons just as easy as anything. Sure, all you do is to ask Mom to get you a good supply of that super delicious whole wheat flakes cereal, Kellogg's Pep. Don't send in any money, not even a box stop, but look inside the Pep package for your exclusive prize, one of these dazzling comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. There's a prize for you in every package of P-E-P Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Superman. 
Captured by leaders of the mysterious Crescent and Star mob, whom they believe have knowledge of two stolen pieces of kryptonite, the amazing element which robs Superman of all his strength and power, Batman and Robin were placed in a basement room in a bogus sanitarium where the steel ceiling was so built that it slowly descended toward them hour by hour. When they had less than an hour left before the moving ceiling met the floor, Superman, hunting desperately for them, arrived at the Golden Lily nightclub where they had last been seen. Suspecting that Patsy, the recently murdered owner of the club, had been a go-between for the Crescent and Star mob, Superman and his guys of Clark Kent and Police Inspector Henderson searched the premises thoroughly and were about to give up when Kent discovered a phonograph hidden in the storeroom. As we continue now, Kent, over Henderson's objections, has turned the switch on and is about to play a record found on the phonograph. Listen. We haven't time to play records, Kent. Listen, Inspector. Hear that? So what? Remember the song? Of course. All alone. Irving Berlin wrote it. So what? I know it sounds silly, but that phonograph record is the answer to our prayers. What? Are you kidding? Oh. In a minute or two, the telephone out there in Patsy's office is going to ring. And you are going to answer it. Oh, yeah? Who will it be? Someone from the Crescent and Star Mob. From the... What? What did you say? I said that in a minute or two, we'll get a phone call from someone in the Crescent and Star Mob. Oh, we will, eh? I suppose you're sending out thought waves telling him to call. Oh, no, not thought waves, Inspector. Radio waves. Come here, look. Hmm? Look what's in this cabinet. Hey. Hey, that looks like a shortwave radio transmitter. That's exactly what it is. It's hooked up to the phonograph, see? And it's beaming the record to the Crescent and Star Mob. Who said it is? How do you know? I'm sure of it. Look, if Patsy was a go-between for the mob, he had to have some way of contacting them. And this is the way he did it. Do you remember the lyric of the song? It goes, all alone by the telephone. Mm. Well, the mob hears the song in their hideout, and one of them calls Patsy. Hey, you may have something there, Kent. I'm sure I have. Yeah, but why doesn't that call come through? Ooh, how do you know the transmitter is working? The tubes are lit. Hey, wait a minute, the record's running out. I'll set it back. Hey, you're wasting your time, Kent. Something just occurred to me. What's that? You said the mob went through all this rigmarole to keep Patsy from learning their identity. That's right. And yet one of them was here last night in full view of Patsy and everyone else. I don't follow you. That girl singer, Gloria Garrett. Oh, no, I, I don't think she was a member of the gang. Oh, no? No. Well, she was wearing that crescent and star symbol in her hair, wasn't she? So what? She was given the symbol and sent here to lean Batman and Robin into a trap. That doesn't hold water, Kent. If the mob was so careful about their precious identities, they wouldn't take such a chance. They'd know all Patsy or anyone else had to do was to follow the girl, and she'd lead them to the gang. Well, they probably protected themselves against that. Oh, no, I don't... Now, look, Inspector, please stop arguing. I'm sure this is the answer to how Patsy contacted the Crescent and Star Mob. Well, if it is, then why haven't they called? I don't know, I don't know. I can't understand. Well, I can. So could you if you weren't such a stubborn fool. Now, come on, let's get back to headquarters. There's no more to be done here. No, 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 wait, Inspector. Wait for what? For the call. We're bound to get it. Now, listen to me, Kent. I know you're worried about Batman and Robin. So am I. But this isn't the place to find them. No, but... Now, come on, it's 1035 or... Please, Inspector, wait five more minutes. Mm. This is the answer. I know it. They have to call. Well, okay. Five more minutes, but no more. Skeptically, Inspector Henderson pumps at his cigar while Clark Kent watches the telephone in the adjoining office, every nerve strained, waiting to pounce on the instrument the moment it rings. 
Meanwhile, in the long, oak-paneled room at the Bogus Sanitarium, headquarters of the Crescent Star Organization, its leader, a man who calls himself Mr. Jones, sits at his desk beside a hot, glowing fireplace, a shawl thrown over his thin shoulders. His eyes behind ringless pince-nez glasses are as pale and cold as chipped ice. As the door at the end of the room opens, the man known as Mr. Smith, his powerfully built mustached henchman, enters. Mr. Jones reaches for the silver-encrusted atomizer at his elbow and hastily sprays his throat. You sent for me, Mr. Jones? <laughs> yes. Close the door. You're letting a draft. If you would listen to me and then hear fresh air instead of this hot Fresh air is full of germs. I've told you a thousand times. But never mind that now. Something I don't understand is happening, Mr. Smith, and I don't like it. Yes, what is it? I'll show you. <laughs> listen to this. Well, why turn on the receiver from the Gordon Lily? You know Patsy is dead. Is he? Of course he is. Felix and Herbert took care of him early this morning as you directed. You said too many knew of his connection with us now, uh, so... listen. What? The signal from the Gordon Lily. Well, how can that be? That's what I want to know. If Patsy is dead, oh, then... Of course he is dead. Felix and Herbert say so, they've never feared us. Then who is trying to contact us from the Golden Lily? I don't know. Perhaps someone, a porter or a waiter, discovered the transmitting phonograph and turned it on. Or perhaps the police. The police? Yes. Well, wait till I turn this off. I've been thinking, Mr. Smith. The police may have found Sidney's silver coin bearing our symbol after his death. They knew Sidney was associated with the Atom Man, so they followed the clue of our symbol to the Golden Lily nightclub. But how could they without our hearing about it? We know from our informers that only Batman and Robin have been asking for information about the symbol. Batman and Robin, of course. They often work with the police. It must have been Sidney's coin we found on Batman. Yes, that could be. I'm sure of it. Mr. Smith, the police are getting too close for comfort. We've got to get out. What time is it now? It is uh, exactly 10.37. When will the little job be finished in room zero? <laughs> At exactly 11 o'clock, the ceiling will reach Batman and Robin, where they lie stretched out on the floor. <laughs> Two minutes. Never mind the details. Be in this room at exactly five minutes after 11. You and all the others. We'll take our records and money and leave. You understand? Yes, Mr. Jones. Wait. Something occurred to me a moment ago. A short time before Sidney's death, he called us for some information, I understand. I was away at the time, so I suppose you talked with him. Yes, he wanted to know where the Scarlet Widow would be contacted. The Scarlet Widow. Now, why... <laughs> but, of course, the Widow... The well, what about her? And nothing, Mr. Smith. Just an amusing anecdote I remembered. Uh, I suppose we have the widow's present whereabouts in our files. Yes, we keep a running file on everyone who might be of use to us, as you well know. Naturally, of course. Uh, go now, hurry, and be back here as soon as Batman and Robin are finished. Very well. You'll all be here at 11.05. Good. I'd better turn this on again. Don't like this. I don't like it at all. Pulling his shawl closer about his stooped shoulders, the scholarly-looking Mr. Jones rises to his feet, a small ironic smile twisting his thin lips as he listens to the strains of All Alone emerge from the shortwave radio receiver. Scarcely 20 minutes of life remain now for Batman and Robin. 
And miles away in the Golden Lily nightclub, Clark Kent still waits anxiously for the phone call from the Crescent and Star Gang. What will happen? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. It's exactly 10.42, 18 short minutes before the steel ceiling in room zero will complete its descent and close down on Batman and Robin. And miles away in a storeroom at the Golden Lily nightclub, Clark Kent still plays the phonograph attached to the shortwave radio transmitter. Police Inspector Henderson is running out of patience. Now, look here, Kent. We said we'd wait five minutes, and we waited seven. I know. You were wrong, admit it. This transmitter is not beamed to the Crescent and Stellar Hideout. Well, I'm sure it is, Inspector. Confound it, man. Use your head. I am. If it is, why haven't they called in by this time to see what Patsy wants? I don't know. There, there must be some reason. Wait a minute. Of course. Of course what? They haven't called in because they know Patsy is dead and they suspect a trap. How do they know he's dead? Because they killed him. They rubbed him out. Hey. I hate to admit it, Kent. But I think you're right. Sure, we've got to work fast, Inspector. The mob must know someone is onto them now because that record is playing. They'll probably finish Batman and Robin and clear out if they haven't done so already. Yeah, then what do we do? I've got an idea. It's a pretty long chance, but it might work. What's that? I... Well, I haven't time to explain now, but look. I want you to stay here, Inspector, and keep playing this record over and over until you hear from me. Huh? Oh, I, I don't get Never it. Never mind. Just please do as I say, Inspector. It's our only chance. Will you? Well, I... I knew you would. Now, just keep playing that record over and over. And keep your fingers crossed. Scowling and puzzled, Inspector Henderson stares after Clark Kent, who rushes from the room. What is Kent's plan? It is now 10.45. Only 15 scant minutes remain before the heavy steel ceiling closes down upon Batman and Robin. What will happen? Tomorrow's episode is a thriller diller, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, to follow Superman, Batman, and Robin in The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow The Adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman D.C. publication. Behold my precious. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh uh-huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot. On surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Yeehoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as low as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F-E-N-I-X media dot U-S forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. 
up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, who is today carrying out a plan he hopes will lead him to Batman and Robin. We'll learn what happens in a moment. But right now, here is Dan McCullough to talk about your collection of comic buttons. Go ahead, Dan. Say, gang, you know what I think is one of the best things about collecting those comic buttons that now come in packages of Kellogg's Pet? Well, I think it's pretty swell that your fun never stops. It keeps right on and gets more exciting all the time. You see, just as soon as you have one comic button, you're looking forward to getting another one. Or when you've got six, you're wanting the seventh. And right on up until you're ready for your 18th. And, of course, if you should get a duplicate, why, that's even more fun, because then you can trade with your friends and still add to your collection. And do you feel smart when you wear your buttons pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap? Why, you feel like strutting around because the colors are so bright against the white background. What's more, these comic buttons are so easy to get, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. Fact is, you can't buy them anywhere. But whenever Mom opens a new package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep, there's your exclusive prize. One of these exciting comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Ask Mom to get you P-E-P Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. In a bogus sanitarium, the headquarters of the mysterious Crescent and Star gang, Batman and Robin face death in a basement dungeon called Room Zero, where the heavy steel ceiling is slowly being lowered until it meets the floor. Meanwhile, in the Golden Lily nightclub in Metropolis, known to be a contact point for the gang, Clark Kent discovered a phonograph attached to a shortwave radio transmitter. On the phonograph was a record of the song, All Alone, by Irving Berlin. Instructing Police Inspector Henderson to keep playing the record over and over again, Kent disappeared. As we continue now, Batman and Robin lie face down on the floor of Room Zero. The steel ceiling is only a scant few inches above them, with only a few minutes to go before it will have completed its descent to the floor. Listen. Robin. If you want me to pack the butter, we're fresh out of it, Patty. Cut the wisecracks. I'm afraid this is it. Looking into your crystal ball again, huh? Yes, I... I was the ceiling. Dropped another half inch. It's getting monotonous, isn't it? Yeah. Robin. Still here, teacher. I should have known better than get you into this. I'm... I'm sorry. Are you kidding? No, no, I'm not. I knew we were stepping into something when we left the nightclub. You're still a youngster. I, I should have... Sent me home to bed? Something like that. Do you think I would have gone... Well, no. Then consider the case closed. But just the same... Oh, will you stop it? You want me to start blubbering or something? You... you wouldn't. Well, if you keep talking this way... Shucks, we've always been together and everything, and if we've got to go out now, well... I know. Then let's not talk about it. Uh Uh-oh, another half inch. Not much more to go. Don't... don't think about it. I didn't have to hear it. The least these high-class goons could do is fix the darn thing so it wouldn't make such a racket. Yes, they might have furnished us with a last meal. And them men are entitled to that. Yeah. You know the thing I regret most, Batman? What? That turkey sandwich we almost had at the Golden Lily last night. Ah, I can taste it now. You suppose they put Russian dressing on it? Well, you said you can taste it. You tell me. Yep, it's Russian, all right. Very good, too. Uh, It needs a little salt, though. Would you mind passing it? Eh, sorry, no salt. Will the Worcestershire do? Worcestershire sauce and Russian dressing. 
I don't think I can afford to be seen with you at Sloppy Joe's Greasy Spoon tonight. <laughs> Let's make it the rich then, Robin. Uh, I feel like slumming. It's a date. Batman. Huh? I guess Jones and Smith weren't bluffing after all. I guess not. I guess Superman isn't going to get here either. Superman? You didn't tell me you were expecting him. Oh, I was clinging to a faint hope. Till this very minute that Kent would somehow pick up our trail at the Golden Lily. I know we didn't leave any clues, but... Oh, now I'll skip it. I'm afraid this winds up the last adventure of... The Batman and Robin. Designed to what they are now sure is their fate. Batman and Robin lie still as the heavy steel ceiling, dropping a fraction of an inch at a time, continues on its murderous mission. But meanwhile, once more in his true identity of Superman, Clark Kent has streaked away from the Golden Lily. And high in the air, he is following the shortwave radio beam on which the record, all alone, is being sent from the phonograph transmitter in the nightclub. As he rocketed across Metropolis Harbor, the record was clear and strong. But now, as he speaks into the country, the carrier wave has grown fainter and is almost lost. Uh-oh. What happened to the beam? Suddenly got weak. This must be a dead spot. I can't afford to lose it now. I can't. Oh, it's still weak. And it keeps fading. Well, it might come in stronger again if I keep going. That's my only hope. Away! There, it's better now. Away! Like a great red and blue arrow, Superman streaks above the wooded countryside, his tape streaming in the mighty rush of wind. Stronger the key song comes in on the shortwave beam, and stronger. Now it is loud above all else in the Man of Steel's ears as he approaches a large, old-fashioned house set in a grove of trees. Must be getting close. What's that house I'm coming to? No, no, so. That's the sanitarium. Oh, wait. There's a huge aerial on the roof. Yes, and what are those men in the house rushing from room to room, packing suitcases? What's going on down there? Great Scott, that room in the basement. Batman and Robin. Down to them. Down! Like a meteor plummeting through space, Superman crashes down through the bogus sanitarium to the heavy oaken door outside room zero. One wrench in the great door is Then, seizing the edge of the steel ceiling, which even now is beginning to press fatally upon Batman and Robin, the man of steel raises it with one hand. There. All right. Come on, Batman, Robin. Crawl out while I hold the ceiling up. That's it. Now hurry outside the door of the room so I can let it drop. Christopher Columbus. Look, Batman, it's... Oh, Marines have landed... Oh, I was beginning to think you missed the boat, Superman. Well, I almost did. What are you fellas trying to do? Cheat a tailor out of a pressing bill? Oh, we were about to discover how it feels to be a pancake. <laughs> Uh-oh, get behind me. Here comes trouble. Greetings, <laughs> gentlemen. I'll take those guns, please. Uh, uh, save some for me, Superman. The guy with the fat mouth. Oh, he's mine. Cheating. Grab it. Okay, I've got him. And I've got this one. Get rid of two balls on you, Nice going, Robin. Uh-oh, hit the floor. Batman's throwing a bead on you. Don't shoot. Joe, I shed bullets like a duck sheds water. Give me that gun. Okay. Looks like the show's over, boys. One up and ten down. I don't see any more in the house. Well, I think that's the work, Superman. Can we get Jones? What? 
I didn't spot him. He must be in the pile somewhere. Turn Smithy loose, will you, Superman? I've got a little something I've been saving up for him. No. No, I have enough. I give up. I cannot fight Superman. But you can fight me, you big gorilla. I'm going to knock Relax, you... relax, Robin. There's something more important here. I can't find Jones. Who's Jones? They're number one man. Smith here is number two. Where is he, Smith? Uh, he said to meet him in the conference room. Well, that's right over here. Come on. Nobody in the conference room. You're right. It's empty. Where is he, Smith? Uh, I don't know. He said he'd be here. And we were going to leave as soon as... Uh, as, uh, as soon as Batman uh, and I were finished, huh? Never mind that. If Jones isn't one of the men on the floor in the next room... He isn't. Well, then he got away. There's nobody else in this house. Uh-oh. But Mr. Smith here, who you say is the number two man of the gang, ought to serve our purpose. Now, look, fella. Talk straight and talk fast. Where are the two pieces of kryptonite? The what? Don't look so innocent. You know what we mean. I don't know what you're talking now, about. Now, look here, Smith. That man, he may be telling the truth. But he can tell us how to find it by telling us where the Scarlet Widow is. She has the two pieces of kryptonite, or she knows where they are. Well, Smith, speak up. Where's the Scarlet Widow? Come on, we're waiting. He looks like he's seeing a ghost. What's the matter with you, Smith? <laughs> Look! The what? what? There! I don't see anything. Neither do I. I do. Something tells me it's bad news. Come here. I'll show you. Puzzled, Batman and Robin follow Superman and Smith who walk straight to the blazing fireplace. What has happened now? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. In the conference room of the Crescent and Star Gang... Superman and Mr. Smith, the number two man of the gang, have led Batman and Robin to the fireplace in which a huge log burns. One of the large stones alongside the fireplace seems slightly out of place. Bending swiftly, Superman touches it and it slides aside, revealing a deep vault. Well, what do you know? A vault. Right, Robin. This is what you were looking at, weren't you, Smith? Yes. I saw it had been opened and... Yes, look. Everything has been removed. The fires and the money. I was afraid of that. Mr. Jones acted very strangely when I spoke to him half an hour ago. He must have taken the files and money and escaped. Never mind the money. What about the files? What were they? The records we kept of the location of everyone who might be of value to us. Was the Scarlet Widow in those files? Yes, of course. Don't you know where she is? Oh, there were thousands of names in our files. How could I remember everyone? Uh-oh. Well, where do we go from here, Superman? I don't know. It looks like we've reached the dead end of a one-way street. Helplessly, Superman, Batman, and Robin stare at the empty vault of the Crescent and Star Gang. What can they do now with the only clue to the Scarlet Widow and the two stolen pieces of kryptonite in the hands of the cunning Mr. Jones, who has disappeared? Have all their efforts been in vain? And will the possessors of the kryptonite do what Superman most fears? Create another human atomic monster? Or something even more terrible? Fellows and girls, there's danger, excitement, and mystery directly ahead for Superman and his two friends, Batman and Robin. So don't fail to be with them tomorrow when they take up the trail of the Scarlet Widow and Mr. Jones. Tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. By the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. 
And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, the trail of the Scarlet Widow is apparently lost with the disappearance of Mr. Jones. In a moment, we'll learn what the Man of Steel plans to do next. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his young pal, Eddie, who seems to be all wrapped up in a problem of some sort. A-U-T-H. Hmm. O-T-H. Say, Dan, how do you spell authentic? Hey, what are you doing with a big word like that? I'm writing a theme for English class tomorrow. What about? Well, we can take any subject we want, so I'm writing about my collection of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pep. Well, swell, but... You're uh... going to tell me how to spell authentic? Well, I'll tell you where you can find it in the dictionary if you'll read me your theme. Oh, okay. Well, it starts with A-U. Now, you can look it up after you've read what you've written. Well, it isn't done yet, but here's what I've got so far. Among the funny paper characters appearing on these swell comic buttons are Skeezix, Orphan Annie, and Superman. There are 18 buttons in all, and each picture is, I want to say, an authentic reproduction well, um, of... Uh, how about authentic reproduction of the real comic strip picture? How's that? Swell. Hey, that's swell, Dan. Let me get it down. And huh? say it. While you're about it, Eddie, uh, you can tell how much fun it is to collect those exciting comic buttons and to wear them pinned on your jacket or dress or cap and to trade duplicates with your pals. And better mention uh, how bright the colors are, too. How slick these buttons look. And don't forget to include how easy it is to get them. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. But every time Mom opens a new package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep, there's your exclusive prize. One of these dazzling comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Remember the name. It's P-E-P. Pep. Made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. When Superman saved Batman and Robin from death at the hands of the Crescent and Star Gang and captured 11 of the criminals in their hideout, he thought he would learn the whereabouts of the Scarlet Widow and two stolen pieces of kryptonite, the strange, deadly element which robs him of his strength. But Superman was doomed to disappointment because the mysterious leader who calls himself Mr. Jones had escaped with all of the gang's files. As we continue, it is a short time later. Batman and Robin are searching for Mr. Jones, while Superman, who had summoned Inspector Henderson to the scene and then disappeared, has reappeared at Metropolis Police Headquarters in his guise of Clark Kent. Deeply worried, he is in Henderson's office where the inspector is trying to reassure him. Listen. Oh, stop worrying, Kent. Everything's under control. Are you kidding, Inspector? Not at all. Thanks to Superman, Batman, and Robin, and you too... We've broken up one of the most vicious gangs of international spies and crooks in the history of crime. But the biggest prize of all escaped us. If you mean the head man... That's exactly whom I mean. The man they call Mr. Jones. He got away with the gang's files which show the whereabouts of the Scarlet Widow. And only the widow knows where the two pieces of kryptonite are. We'll get Jones and his files, too. You hope. We will. We got a good description of him. Well, you've had a good description of the Scarlet Widow for months, but you haven't been able to find her. Okay, okay, don't rub it in. I'm not trying to, but we're in a terrible spot, Inspector. 
One day or even one hour may mean the difference between life and death to all of us. What do you mean? I mean the kryptonite. Mm. Whoever has it knows now what amazing power it has. He knows that it not only robs Superman of his strength, but that it gave the Atom Man his deadly atomic power. Why, at this moment, someone may be creating another human monster or something even more horrible. I know, but what else can we do? I've put out a nine-state alarm for Jones, and the police all over the world are hunting for the Scarlet Widow. I suggest we have another talk with Smith. With whom? The bird who calls himself Smith. You know, the number two man of the Crescent and Star Mob. Mm-hmm. I have an idea he knows more than he told us. Well, you won't get anything out of him. He's a tough nut. Oh, we'll see. Come on, Inspector, take me to him. I've got a little hunch that might just work out. Okay, Kent. I'll never argue with your hunches again. And after this morning, when you called the turn on the phonograph and the golden lily. This way, through the fire room. Right in here, Inspector. Okay, Hogan. Hello, Hogan. Here's your cell, Kent. We, uh, we want to have a little talk with you, Smith. I'm not talking. Not even about your dear friend, Mr. Jones? Ah, that daddy. No, I'm not talking about him either. Well, it was nice of him to turn on the shortwave receiver so the beam could be traced to your hideout, wasn't it? I'll pay him back for that when I get my hands on his skinny neck. Forget it, Carl. When you leave here, it'll be to make a one-way trip to the death house. Oh, you haven't got me there yet. We've got enough on you to send you to the chair a dozen times. Best lawyer in the business couldn't save you. Even if you had the money to hire him, which you haven't. Oh, Mr. Jones didn't pass up a nickel of the fortune you had in that vault. Ah, oh, the double-crossing rat! If I could only get my hands on him. <laughs> He's afraid of fresh air. I'd let plenty of fresh air into him. Well, fortunately for Mr. Jones, you can't do anything of the kind. But if you'll help us find him, you'll have the satisfaction of knowing he'll pay for his crimes, too. What do you say, Smith? Now, here's your chance to square things with your double-crossing pal. Just a moment. Look, Smith, when you learned that Mr. Jones had run out and left you holding the bag, you said you should have suspected it because he had been acting suspiciously. Yes, the dirty... What did he do? He laughed. What? He laughed. Only twice before in all the years I've known him did I ever hear him laugh. And each time it was just before completing a big deal. That helps us a lot, too. Come on. No, wait, Inspector. What were you talking about at the time, Smith? Uh, I mean, when Jones laughed. Yeah, it was... uh, Let me see... Oh, yes. He asked me if we had a fire on the Scarlet Widow in the vault, and I said, naturally, we did. It was then that he laughed. Ah, so that's it. Jones must have thought of the kryptonite. Just a minute, Kent. When Sidney contacted you that time, did you tell him where the Scarlet Widow was? Yes, until his death, Sidney was our leader. Oh, he was, huh? What did you tell Sidney? Where the Widow was. Where is she? I don't remember. You've got to remember. Try, man, try. Uh, how can I? We had thousands of files showing the locations of all people who might be valuable to us. I think you do remember, Smith. I don't. How could I remember one file in all those thousands? Perhaps because you consulted it recently, and because your curiosity was aroused when Sidney, your leader, wanted the information. No, I I don't remember. Now, you see, I'm trying to cooperate with you, Inspector. Release me, and I'll do my best to lead you to Mr. Jones. Are you kidding? Look, mister, get this through your head. When you leave this cell, it'll only be to go upstairs to court. And your next stop will be the death house. And that's as true as the Lord made little green apples. Mr. Jones will enjoy reading about your execution. 
I can see him now, sitting in some stuffy room, spraying his throat and laughing at you. No, no, can't be like that. Won't have it. Then tell us where the Scarlet Widow is, and we'll have your pal Jones in this next cell before you can say Jack Roberts. Oh, that I'd like. Seeing him here, huddled in his shore, close to me. Then tell us where the widow is. Oh, I can't promise, of course. But it might go easier with you in court if you do. You think it will? You think the judge will spare my life? Mm, there's a chance. Oh, if I can only live to see him die. All right. I'll tell you. Good. Where's the widow? She's hiding out in a book and gift shop on Winston Road. It's owned by one of her gang. A woman named Gertrude Meadow. Ah, now we're getting someplace. Let us out of here, Hogan. Okay, Inspector. Come on, Kent. Right with you. Your hunch was right again, Kent. Now, keep your fingers crossed. I hope we're in time to grab the widow and Mr. Jones. Hurriedly, Inspector Henderson and Clark Kent leave the, the cell block at police headquarters, following their first really important lead. What will they uncover at the book and gift shop? Now, back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Directed to the Scarlet Widow's hideout by Mr. Smith... Inspector Henderson, Clark Kent, and a squad of police officers sped to a small book and gift shop on Winston Road in a fashionable residential section of Metropolis. Finding the front door locked and bolted, Henderson led the way to the rear door in an alley. Stationing his men on either side of the door, he demanded admission. All right in there, open up. We've got the place surrounded. You're wasting time, Inspector. Thanks, Kent. Open the door and walk out with your hands up or we'll blast you out. I tell you, you're wasting precious time. There's nothing dangerous in there. Stop telling me how to run my job. But we've got to get in there in a hurry. Mind your own business, Kent. Oh. This is your last chance. Are you coming out or do we come in and get you? Please, Inspector. Shut up. Okay, boys. Break the door down. Come on, hold Yeah, that does it. In we go, boys. If they want trouble, we'll let them have it. Careful now. Hey, what's this? Who's this guy on the floor? His name is Snickers, and he's been shot. Well, I can see that. Oh, good. Yeah. Wasn't he the Scarlet Widow's man Friday? Yes, he used... Uh-oh, come here, Inspector. What? Holy cat. Uh, Who's that stretched out behind the packing case? Uh, the Scarlet Widow. Uh, in person. Uh, what? Get out of the way. Take it easy, Inspector. She was shot, too, but she's still alive. Get him. Get the rat. Get home. Who shot you, Widow? Jones. Jones, huh? I thought so. Listen, Widow. Where is the kryptonite? Uh, I'm done for. You've got to get him. Where is he? He double-crossed. Me. You've got to get him. Kill him. Do you hear me? Sure. But where is he? If you if you don't he'll get Superman. Superman? Yes. He knows where Kryptonite is. Where is it? He, he he's going to get it. Then finish Superman and Tell us where uh, the night is, Widow. Tell us. Oh, it's no use, Inspector. She passed out. Yeah. And from the looks of her, I'm afraid we got here just 
just a minute too late. Silently, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson looked down at the gaunt, ugly woman in the blood-stained scarlet dress, who lies pale and motionless at their feet. Were they too late? Is the famous Scarlet Widow dead? And what is this new threat against Superman now being engineered by the sinister and mysterious Mr. Jones? Fellows and girls, don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode when we learn more about Mr. Jones and see the Man of Steel take up a desperate chase on which his very life depends. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman, brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman, who, as Clark Kent, experiences one of the most shocking surprises of his life in today's exciting episode. In just a moment, we'll return to our story. But first, let's lend an ear to our good friend, Dan McCullough. Say, gang, wouldn't you like to shake hands with the person who thought up the idea of putting those exciting comic buttons in packages of Kellogg's Pet? I know I would, because these comic buttons are just about the slickest thing that's happened in a long time. First off, there's a doggone smart looking, just about as big around as a nickel with detailed true-to-life pictures of your favorite funny paper characters, like uh, Smiling Jack, for instance. You know, you've followed his adventures. Or K.O., who's always sleeping in a dresser drawer. Or Superman, who looks so handsome and powerful, you think of all the wonderful things he's done. Yes, there's plenty of excitement whenever Mom opens a new package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, because that means you get a new button might even mean that you'll have the fun of trading duplicates with your pals. So how about asking Mom to stock up on Kellogg's Pep tomorrow? That's the only way you can get these comic buttons, you know. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them anywhere. But inside every package of Pep, there's a swell prize, a dazzling comic button or a military insignia or a warplane button. That's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. In the back of a book and gift shop, Superman in his guise of Clark Kent and Police Inspector Henderson found the person they had been seeking for months. The gaunt, ugly woman known as the Scarlet Widow, who had stolen the original piece of kryptonite from the Metropolis Museum. The widow was mortally wounded, but she managed to tell them that Mr. Jones, the mysterious leader of the Crescent and Star Gang, had shot her, and that he had boasted he would finish Superman. But before she... <clears throat> Excuse me. But before she could tell them where the two missing pieces of kryptonite were, the deadly element which robbed Superman of his strength, she lost consciousness. Inspector Henderson had her removed to the Metropolis Hospital. And as we continue now in a little anteroom off the hospital corridor, Kent and Henderson leap eagerly to their feet as Dr. Baker, the chief surgeon, enters. Listen. 
stuff very tough to... I'm afraid it's bad news, Inspector. Frankly, we can't save her. Uh, I was afraid of that. Is she conscious, Doctor? Not at the moment, Mr. Kent, but we've given her a transfusion and it's possible she'll regain consciousness for a short period before the end. Oh. Dr. Baker? Coming, nurse. There may be some changes. I'll call you if she's regained consciousness. All right. Thanks, Doctor. Eh, what a tough break, Kent. Yeah. He'd only held out long enough to tell us where Mr. Jones went. Well, he went after the two pieces of kryptonite, of course. Well, you don't have to tell me that. But where? Where did he go? I wish I knew. Yes, and I wish I knew what Jones meant when he said he was going to finish Superman. I'm worried, Inspector. You and me both. Inspector, Mr. Kent. Dr. Baker's calling us. Come on. Keep your fingers crossed. Did she come too, Doc? Yes, and she asked for you, Inspector. Good. Oh, fine. This lucid interval won't last long. I'd advise you not to waste any time. Leave it to me. Hello, Will. Hello, Inspector. I'm glad to see you. You've got to get that rat Jones. You've got to get him sending to the chair for this. Yeah, yeah, sure, but... Uh... I'm done for. I know it. Otherwise, I'd take care of him myself. So it's up to you to get him. I will, if you'll help me. You said he, uh, he went after two pieces of kryptonite? Yes. A dirty double-crosser offered me $50,000 to tell him where the stuff was. So I told him. And he pulled a gun. Oh, he shot Sniggers too, huh? Yes. One bullet finished poor Sniggers. Where's the kryptonite, Widow? Tell us where it is and, and we can go after Jones. Yes. Go after him. Get him. Oh, she's losing consciousness. Doctor. I was afraid of this. You've got to do something, Doc. There's nothing I can do. I, I'm all right. I, I'm not going. Not until I get it all... Off my chest. That's it, that's it. Keep talking. Jones double-crossed me. Uh-huh. You've got to get him, Inspector. You've got to... I will. Just tell us where he went. Where the kryptonite is. Yes. I'll tell you. I sold one piece to the vulture. The vulture? Yes. Who got the other piece? The laugher. Holy smokes. Where are the vulture and the laugher, widow? I don't know. Hey, who's he? He's all right, widow. He's a reporter, Clark Kent. You say you don't know where to find the vulture and the laugher? No. But you'll find them, and you'll get Jones. Uh Uh-huh. Now, look, widow. Did Jones mention anything? Anything at all about where they might be? No. All he said was he... He knew where they were. Uh Uh-huh. He was going to get kryptonite. Yeah. Had a big plan to finish Superman. Did he say what his plan was? He said... He said... Yes, Doc. Doc. You'll have to leave now, Inspector. She's unconscious again. Oh, yeah. Well... Come on, Kent. All right. I'll send a report to your office, Inspector. Okay, Doc. Thanks. Thank you. Well, we're no closer to Mr. Jones than we were before, Kent. No, I'm afraid you're right. Well, if only we had some lead... Wait a minute. What's the matter? I just remembered something. What? At the bookshop. Come on, Inspector. Hurry. Well, here's the bookshop, Kent. 
Now what? I told you, Inspector. I might have been mistaken. I'd rather wait and see. Will you let us in, Riley? Okay. Let's see. Right back here. What was for Pete's sake? Yes, there it is. Behind this pile of books. See? All I see is some broken glass. Well, look at these two larger pieces with silver on them. And this bulb and little rubber tube. Yeah? Thought I noticed it when we broke in here this morning, but then I saw the widow and forgot about it. So what? What is it? Mr. Jones is atomizer. Oh. He used it to spray his throat. Batman and Robin described it to me. They said it was made of beautiful glass like this and encrusted with fine heavy silver. So what? Just this. Jones couldn't stand being without his atomizer. He broke this one, so we'll have to get another. That gives us a lead. Oh, yeah? I suppose you mean we cover all the stores and try to catch him coming in to buy another atomizer, huh? No, we don't have to cover all the stores, just a few top jewelry shops. Huh? Oh, I get it. You mean because this is such a fancy job, huh? Exactly. Apparently, Mr. Jones' taste in atomizers is the best, and I'd say only a few high-class shops like Fairs or Bartiers carry gadgets like this one. So if we check those shops and learn that one of them sold this particular spray gun... Jones might go back to the same shop for a replacement. Hey, you've got a head on you, Kent. I ought to know better than to argue with you by this time. Come on. There's only one thing, though. Jones has a couple of hours start on us, and he might have picked up his new atomizer already. But, uh... Even if he did, and we locate the shop, we ought to be able to get a lead to it. And if he didn't, we can lay for it. Right. Let's go. Maybe we're on the trail at last. Leaving the bookshop, Inspector Henderson and Clark can't take up the trail of the broken atomizer. Now, back to the adventures of Superman. Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson have visited four of the finest jewelry shops in Metropolis, but so far have failed to find the one which had sold the handsome silver-encrusted atomizer to Mr. Jones. Now, as the afternoon wanes, they are entering the exclusive shop of Thayer and Son on Fifth Avenue. Oh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Can I be of service to you? Well, I hope so. Take a look at these pieces of atomizer and see if you recognize them. Recognize them? Yeah. I, uh, I want to know if you sold it. Why, yes, we sold this. Well, you did, huh? Good. Yes, this is one of a pair we imported from Belgium just before the war. It's a particularly fine specimen of... Never mind that. You say this is one of a pair? How about the other one? Oh, I'm terribly sorry. It was sold two hours ago. You mean it's gone? Well, no, it's not exactly, but it's promised to a customer. Oh, it is, huh? But I'm... To whom? It isn't the policy of Thayer and Son to discuss their customers' affairs. Take a look at this. Oh, my heavens, the police. Yeah, I'm Inspector Henderson. Now, tell me about that other atomizer. Oh, yes, yes, certainly, Inspector. Well, about two hours ago, a gentleman phoned and said his brother had purchased a Louvain atomizer in our shop a year ago. Brother? Just a stall. Go on. Well, he described it as... This one? Yes, sir. He wanted to know if we had another one like it, and I told him we had it made. Uh, So he asked if we'd hold it for him till six o'clock, and that he'd send a young lady for it. Six o'clock, eh? Almost six now. Yeah, it's one minute off. Yeah, we got to move fast, Ken. Look, son, is there some place we can hide here so that when this party comes in, we can see her, but she can't see us? Well, you may use the office over there if you wish. Good. Come on, Ken. Right. Look, uh, what did this man say his name was? Uh, Phillips. Phillips, huh? But if you just wait in here. Thanks. There's a buzzer under the showcase which sounds in here. When the person comes in and asks for the atomizer, I'll ring the buzzer. Good boy. 
Ah, uh, Kent, the trail's getting warm. I'd say red hot, Inspector. What the hell? Take it easy. Huh? Take it easy. Just the big clock behind you. Uh, I'm getting jumpy. You said six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And that's just what it is. Now, there's the buzzer. The dame's here for the atomizer. Yeah. What? Great Scott. Wait, Kent. Don't go out there. No. Just cracking the door a little so you can see. Look, Inspector. Look who it is. Great Jemima. Lois Lane. Incredulously, their jaws dropping, Clark Kent and Inspector Henderson stare through the crack in the door at Lois Lane, girl reporter for the Daily Planet, who stands at the counter with the clerk. What does this mean? What possible connection can Lois have with the dangerous and deadly Mr. Jones? Fellows and girls, don't miss Monday's startling and exciting episode. It's dramatic, surprising, thrilling. So tune in then, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellas and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash Silver Age Heroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! <laughs>